Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. For indeed, you are the life and the light of the world. And indeed, you shine on every person that's in this place. In our hearts, in every home, in every place we go, you are always there. And we bless you for that. Because that gives us blessed assurance. And we know with that blessed assurance, we can boldly go into every day. We have come to the house of the Lord to be strengthened in the faith, in love for one another, to find meaning and sense in life whilst the world is spinning out of control and things get out of hand, you are always there. And just as any man, any woman think or would think that he or she is busy falling because of some problem, situation, difficulty, crisis, sickness, disease, infirmity, just the moment anyone starts feeling I am falling, then you're there to catch us. Then you're there to meet us on our knees. So help us to pray powerfully, accurately, and meaningfully in the faith with the love of God and with the love for our fellow man. Always there. And grant all of us the wisdom that we need in this life. And surely we need wisdom. And surely when we make decisions for each and every one of us in every day, make decision after decision, even if it's small things, I must get up, I must go there, I must go make food, I must do this, or I must go and uh, clean there or whatever the case may be, or go to work, go to the shops, all the time decisions. And we need you that we will make sound decisions and not waste our lives away with things that we ought not to be involved with, but to be involved with what you want us to be involved with so that we can do that which is pleasing in your sight. So therefore, we consecrate ourselves to you and we give ourselves to you that life may fall into a pleasant place as an experience in this time which is passing away. And we shall fear you always and we shall love you always. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Well, we love you. It's going to be a great day here at Little Falls. Thank you for the band. And if you notice, both Molly and Marie are not here today. But they are cracking it here on the platform. Can you say amen? Give the Lord a praise offering right now. Pretty good. I think very good. I must get you to come and sing for us a wee. I was getting nervous. I'll just get anybody from here to come and sing. And, uh, hey, Yanni. He's good on the platform. Yes, he was here this morning. We love you. And, um, you know, from a Monday, I already start brooding spiritually uh, for what 
is coming in the weekend. Immediately on Monday, I knew I got to talk about two things today. The awakening, and then tonight, the authority of the anointing, both dovetailing and, of course, the one spilling over in understanding exactly what you're actually capable of. So um, with that, we can turn in our Bibles, and I would that everybody have a Bible here, and um, then we'll see Matthew 26, 39. So it's good to see you. And I was wondering this morning, today is not a warm day. And uh, it's supposed to be 13 max. And I always think, you know, in the mornings when you get up and you, you feel cold and you get dressed, what's coming to church? And you, you never know what the day is going to give you. And then you arrive here and you see lots of Jesus Christ lovers who love the Holy Father as Maud said this morning, Father above all fathers, through the power of the Holy Spirit and live in the Word and in faith. Now you might as well give the Lord a praise offering this morning. If you're one of those, then say amen to that. If you love Jesus, you're in the right company and this is the warmest place on the West Ram. And uh, right now, Matthew 26, 39 was the verse that just popped into my spirit on Monday morning. He went a little further, and he fell on his face. Now, the Bible says here, and, and he said these words. He prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples, and he found them sleeping. He found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, What could you not watch with me for one hour? Just notice that he said it to Peter. He came to the disciples, but he spoke to Peter. So Peter was the appointed leader that would be appointed by God after the ascension as the one to play the leading role in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he said to Peter, what could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray. There's the word pray again. Lest you enter into temptation, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, a second time. We need not read all of that. And he came and found them, found them in verse 33, asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So, 44, he left them and went away again and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. And he came to his disciples and he said to them, verse 45, are you still sleeping and still resting? Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Um, now, 
what we see in verse 39, in fact, we see it all the time, is this word prayer. I need to perhaps just highlight that and bring a little bit more into just that. But the word there, it's a Greek word, prosyukomai. But this word there, if you, if you go to the dictionaries and if you look at it, it also could mean, uh, it means to make petitions to God, to um, lift up to the Lord. Petitions, requests. Uh, and uh, uh, I saw something new in some of these dictionaries. It says, uh, wishes, or I could wish that the following would happen. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people here that you would wish that certain things would happen for you also. You have wishes. You have dreams. It really caught my attention. People here in this house of the Lord, and of course, a lot of people watching us over a distance, and then there'll be a lot of people in the second service, and tonight, of course, I think there'll be a lot of people as usual. Um, but people really have got wishes, and they really have got dreams. And uh, when I looked at that, and I saw it in the pros yukomai, in the, in the Greek, and uh, pros always means towards, it's to pray towards, towards, as always here, towards God. So it is like laying forth or unfolding your wishes in a world that is confused and insecure and in trouble, that you are an individual and you are one with living dreams and wishes for a better future and a better tomorrow. And you wish to, if it was a student, that you would pass your exam. And you wish that you would have a good income and that things will go wrong. And when you return home, you wish that things will just run smooth at home. You just wish for it. And sometimes it doesn't quite work out that way. Because sometimes in every family, there's calamity in the family. And uh, this is all part of life. You see it as you grow up. I am a boy and I grew up with three sisters. And I was the youngest boy and I, they were older than me, all three of them. One three years older, one seven years, one eight years older. And uh, so I, I grew up in the midst of these young ladies with my mother and I was alone at home and it was all just women around me till I found some friends. And we would go all over town with our bicycles. But you drive or you ride on your bicycle with wishes. The boys ask each other, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with your life? Where are you going after school? A lot of people ask that. And you wish that you would go well. So prayer is a presentation or presentation, a presentation of your wishes to the almighty God the Father. That's what you're busy doing. It's presenting to the Father what you really wish to happen. Because maybe you're just plain straightforward, fed up with the state things are in now. And you have to make decisions. And uh, we were talking in the week, I'm talking to people, and Maud's talking, and mostly family and, and some friends, but you, you become aware of problems and needs of everybody that talks to you. It doesn't take long, then they start talking about these things. 
and you know it's you know it's 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 an amazing thing and and it's amazing to see how many people go through all these all the time difficulties and it gets more so even as the day of the Lord approaches. Now, I, I, I tell you what, I could get into just that because I study that very, very much. From hour to hour, I've been in the Word, I've been in prayer, and I've been monitoring the world news and all the headlines of the world. I mean, I know what's going on. And one would underestimate me if you think that I don't know what's going on because I can preach just about that for the rest of this evening. But um, let's leave all of that behind. It's a crisis, and the Lord is busy praying in the first place here, Matthew 26, 39. He fell on his face, and he prayed. He was rolling out, presenting his wishes, his faith, that the Father would take care of him in the greatest trial period of all mankind from the beginning to the very end. Now we've been to Jerusalem 32 times. And I go to the Garden of Gethsemane every time. But every time. And uh, in fact, here's some artwork behind of the Garden of Gethsemane. You see some of the Olive trees, they look very different these days. But those olive trees of those days are still the same olive trees, trees that live today. They live thousands of years. And they're huge, thick at the stem, but not very high. And they just keep on shooting out. After 2,000 years, when the Lord and His disciples prayed there, those olive trees just kept growing. And they must be the oldest trees in the world. The Hebrew University of Jerusalem did some tests there. They, they drill deep, and then they, of course, plug it, make sure that it doesn't uh, kill the tree. And then by the layers of the tree, you can see how many layers you cut through. because a tree make, makes rings in the, in the wood. If you cut off a piece of stump, you see all the layers. And you can de determine how old a tree is by the rings on the wood. That was just a subject I studied at university. No, actually at school, I'm sorry. So I very well know if you bring me a round piece of just a slab of a tree stump, how I can determine or how to determine the age of that thing. But how do you determine trees that, that grow more than 2,000 years? Jesus last left there, they're still growing. They're olive trees. They're still growing. And I see the olives sitting on the, on the branches all the time. It's amazing. But the point I'm getting to here is the spot where he was praying was definitely not nice like the garden. It was a garden, and the garden extends from the east through to a building to the western side. And then from the east, on the eastern side, there's a road, and it extends that way as well. So it's a long strip. Now there's a road cut through. There's a building in, in part of the garden, which is the building over a stone rock bed. It's a bed, but it is a bed of, of, I would say, not nice and smooth like at Beit El where Jacob slept for the night. Those rocks are like, like pointy and with, 
I don't know how you find comfort on that. I really don't, I don't see myself. But that is said to be the spot that the Father chose, the Son chose, the Holy Spirit chose, that Christ would pray till his blood was coming out of his skin with such pressure. Now, if you stop and you think about that, he had a wish. He had a wish for the salvation also of all of us, of the entire mankind, not some, but everybody. So how important was that prayer session on such a, un I could bring you a picture, I could show it on the screen tonight. In fact, it's here on my computer. Um, how, would you, how would you choose a spot like that and then go into such a, I don't know how to, intense. I had some words here which I, I just typed out as I was, you know, the passion of prayer. It was beginning, the beginning of the passion of the Christ. How powerful is the passion of Jesus Christ when he was praying? You say, I say, is, is, was, and forever will be. Still the same passion for you and I. I said, still the same passion to get you saved. Never changed. Never changed. Historically, he went through the passion of the Christ. There was a movie like that. But he knew very well from the beginning, from the fall of mankind, what he would do. And he knew that he would have to suffer and die. And that's the spot on the rocky bed. It's one solid rock. And uh, it just makes you think, how big was the crisis? How great was the wish that his father would take command of the situation and be in command? The passion of the prayer, the pressure of the prayer, the faith released there of the prayer. And then, as the Bible also talks about the God who listens, the God who sees, the God who hears, that God would hear, see, listen to that prayer. Because if he didn't listen to that prayer of his only begotten son, we'd all be in trouble now. Now, if I look at this, I begin to think to myself, this is this just, you know, Monday I got stuck on this verse and I got some for tonight as well concerning understanding this and how does the anointing then flow to you? Just what does that constitute? This is big stuff. But now I want to bring you to another quarter here. And then he came to his disciples in that state, I might add. The book of Luke said that his perspiration became as great drops of blood. Then he came to his disciples, Matthew 26, 40. And he found them sleeping and he said to Peter, what could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now the Messiah knows exactly what's going on. And then he said, could you not watch with me, that word watch be to be awake, to stay awake, to be alert as to what exactly is busy going on. There's a crisis 
unparalleled in all of humankind history taking place. And these guys are sleeping. And then I stopped and I thought of myself early in the, in the morning already, in, on Monday morning, I was thinking, now you know what? It is just an amazing thing that these men just didn't get it. And then I thought to myself, not apart from not getting it, they just didn't understand that. And apart from that, how people to this very day sleep in the time of a massive crisis, even in their own lives. Now, of course, we must sleep. Everybody sleeps. You can't stay away forever, awake, shall I say. But you need to be aware when you are awake. And in the day, during the times of awareness, you should discern that this, that, and the other is a matter of prayer. Just now I had, um, we were in the car and we just had a, a pleasant call. One of our daughters, Shamane, the eldest daughter, just phoning and she's just talking and she was in her talk, she was saying, I prayed about this and I prayed about it. I thought, very good for you. And so people find themselves in a massive, massive situation. It is future impacting. It is decision making substance but they sleep as long as they can. And Jesus says, what? Could you not watch with me for one hour? Just one hour? At a time such as this? Do you not know what's coming to Jerusalem? Did I not tell you in his own words that the Son of Man will be handed over to wicked people? They will crucify him, he must suffer, and he will raise again on the third day. He told them in advance. Now the hour is at hand. They've just had the last supper. And he's in that garden, in a rocky place for them, and they're sleeping. And amazing, if I just go on to another verse here, uh, if, if you look at Jesus, I say Jesus is, same yesterday, today, and forever. Romans 8 Verse 34 says, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. And again, Hebrews 7 verse 25, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost, save to the uttermost, those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Son of God, lives to make intercession for us. Where is he? He's at the right hand of God and makes intercession for us. What's he doing? He lives to make intercession for us. What are we doing in the hour of a crisis? You know, we get those people that, that come along in life. I mean, we get a lot of them. I get a lot of that. Maud gets a lot of it. Telephone calls and people you meet on the street from here down to whatever part of, part of the country. People phone me, ministers phone. Father, a, a pastor, I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for me. I got a situation. 
Now, it's a, it's a thing to join somebody in prayer and pray for somebody. But there's a mature realization that your prayer, God sees, God hears, God listens, God answers, God is there, He's always there, He gives wisdom, He gives you guidance, He leads you, you are there, you're in His hand, your future is in His hand. Listen, our health, our very well our health is in His hand. You get telephone calls from people, they got a crisis in the family, somebody's sick, been operated. I'm saying this, there is, there is a crucial moment, Jacques, when you have to be prayed and you can't use God as a spare tire. Say, well, you know, I lived up life, I lived it, I did it all. Like Frank Sinatra saying, I did it my way, I did it my way. And then comes the crisis then it's not my way anymore. Then you look at the doctor, the doctor can't help. Is that right, Dennis? There are cases you can't help. There are cases you walk away from. We had a case like that with Maud's sister. The doctor just, he knew it was over with a COVID situation that died. She passed on and she definitely went on to be with the Lord, that particular one. She loved God. She feared the Lord. And then she got real sick and there came a point where the doctor walked away and we knew it was over. We just knew it was over. We go pray the last prayers. We knew it was over. See, there comes a moment when you're too weak to pray, if you are a prayer warrior. There comes a moment when you have to pray. There comes a moment where you have to cultivate your prayer life and keep it going. Like one would put coals in the oven. You know, in my days when I grew up, we still have those, we had those, those coal stones. Oh, I love that thing. My mother would come and put in some anthracite coals in there, ordinary coals and anthracite, and this thing would heat up and we would lie on the ground. The kids would lie on the ground right in front of the coal stone. Then out of the oven came the most incredible bread loaves. I mean, they seemed to just fly out there. And then the boys finished a half a loaf just like that. Those huge huge breads that she used to bake. And the fact is, you know, it's like you're putting coals in that oven so that you can keep the oven going. Be aglow and burning in the Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, be burning with the Spirit. Anatsu pareo, stir up the gift, the fire of God within you by the laying on of hands through prophecy, as Paul said to, to Timothy. But there's a time we have to put some coals in the stove in that, in that burning furnace and make sure this thing is quite alive because it might very well be winter and snowing out there. And there might be very well a crisis and if you don't cultivate your prayer life, you can run into a problem tomorrow. Now, I might as well say amen. Well, Pastor, I'll quickly come to a Saturday morning prayer meeting. I rejoice for everybody. There's a lot of people come to pray. And every Saturday morning, this place got a lot of people. 7.30 to 8.30 every Saturday. It's amazing, even winter and summer, just like now. But there comes a time when if you have not, you are alone. You are alone. And you're in a crisis. Might be on the road. 
might be anywhere when something happens unexpectedly and there's nobody to turn to but Jesus. And you say, Jesus, I prayed to you this morning. I did my prayers. I read my Bible and I've devoted my life. Now, Jesus, it's my turn. I close with this. In the beginning of the year, I had a bit of a setback. And it took me unexpectedly because in my life I was never sick. Never. And here I strike a speed wobble. See? And I don't know what on earth is going on here. Now, without getting into all that, the fact is that our wonderful group of pastors came and they prayed for me. And I had my son, Frank. He always prays up. My, he prays up a storm, that one, Frank. He's a prayer warrior. I mean, you know when you meet a prayer warrior. And another one prayed for me, and he's also a prayer warrior. And that's Clive, Clive Gopal. And uh, those two prayed for me. But there came a moment, and this is very important to me, very, this, this is very important. Jacques, you're listening to me. You're the only pastor. Well, he's becoming one tonight. And then after that, we'll baptize him in the ice water on that side. After ordination, they have to be baptized, both of them. Is that okay with you? So now the church is full tonight to watch a baptism of another kind. See? Ah, oh, now Sir George work and Dr. Turin, you're always smiling. That mask doesn't help at all. It just falls off. But it comes a moment, and it happened in my life, and it happened at the beginning of this year, that I went into the study, closed the door, and went on my knees and prayed. Had an immense meeting with God right there. The heavens literally opened to me. I had a vision that scared me. I came out of there with a fear of the Lord. Never mind anything else. I mean, wow. Had a vision. And I got up from the floor and there's nothing wrong with me anymore. And I knew that things would happen now in the future. Things that I must do for the Lord. Immediately, it's like that. It just comes down. And you realize, what do you do when you're alone and you haven't cultivated a prayer life? And you've got no relationship because prayer is all about a relationship with God. And you've got no relationship, you've got nobody, you don't know what to do, and you're sitting there, or you're standing there, or you fall on your knees. I remember when I worked in the SABC, that's years and years ago now, many years ago. And um, I remember in those days that, that there would be something that disturbed me. And uh, even in the course of the day. And I would go out, and I would go to the men's toilets. Now, nobody's going to bother you in there. So I went in there, closed the door, checked if it was all clear, nobody's in it. Nobody's in it at all. The place is empty. People are working. And I'd pray up. And I, I wouldn't pray loud, but I'd pray there. I found a place. There was another little room there which you could go into and slip into, but I didn't want to go in there because it would be too obvious. But to go into the restrooms or the toilets would be very easy. And uh, no excuse needed. You go in there and instead you pray. I'll close with this. I, we have a friend who's actually a member of this congregation, advocate, a real good one too, but a fiery one. Advocate 
Ferdi Venter. Normally sits about there. He's not here today. Man, that guy is on fire. He prays up a storm. He says, Pastor Harold, he says, sometimes I run into these difficulties in the court. But he's, a, he's like a tough guy, you know. He's really, he looks tough and he is tough. And he says, I run into difficulties. He says, but I must be the pastor with the, 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 the advocate with the cleanest hands in the high court. He says, I go to the, to the toilets too. He says, they go in there and I pray. Now I need an answer to this legal battle. And I don't know what to do. And I go into the spirit. I start praying in tongues. Yes, Lord. And I pray. And then I go wash my hands as somebody comes in. He says, I got the cleanest hands in the courthouse. He says, I walk in there and it's like that also. Case is settled. This is Ferdi. Wonderful servant of the Lord. Always thought he should be a minister. But he stuck with being an advocate. And I think he judged some too. But amazing what God can do when you're in a secret place and you go into your closet and you cultivate your prayer life. Can you say amen? Let's stand and give the Lord a praise offering. Hallelujah. Come on. Give the Lord a praise offering, everybody. You know what? You have to cultivate your prayer life like water on flowers. You have to nurse it like flowers, like a pot of flowers that need water. You have little flowers maybe in the window at home. They need water. You need prayer. And when you do that, just talk to the Lord. It's amazing how many doors will open for you. It's amazing. Life falls into place in the right sequence. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. We thank you, Lord, that you take us all home safely and bring us home here so that we can understand the authority of the anointing wherewith we then move forward. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.